This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Plenty of stuff to get to today. Phil Miller, Twins beat writer, will join me here in a little bit. Talked with Phil on Wednesday afternoon, setting up the Twins season, and then almost saw that all blow up Wednesday night with a possible Twins trade. I will talk about that here in a little bit, too. That has not happened yet, so everybody is still on the roster that we thought would be on the roster, but adding to the uncertainty and chaos of this offseason, this potential trade, perhaps with the Padres. And I'll talk about that, like I said, in just a little bit here. Got to talk Vikings draft a little bit. One of their potential targets, Derek Stingley, had his uh, pro day um, yesterday, ran a pretty fast 40-yard dash. want to get to his comments a little bit here in a minute. Um, some interesting numbers on the Vikings and how many times they led in games in 2021 and why that maybe is important in 2022. And Lindsey Whalen, Gophers women's basketball coach who was recently inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. She talked on Wednesday, talked a little bit about the induction, but a lot about the transfer portal, where her program is after losing so many players this offseason to the portal. Um, I thought some of that was interesting, so I want to share some of that with you. And of course, Tiger Woods teeing off this morning. I don't know how much I'll talk about that. Talked a lot about that on Wednesday's show, but keep that in mind. It's quite a day. You know, baseball starting up, the Masters, um, Twins opening day got pushed back, but that's still, you know, right around the corner till tomorrow. Lots to look forward to. But first, what did I miss? Got to talk about that Twins trade that sure seemed like it was picking up steam on a, on Wednesday night. You saw the reports kind of emerging in the evening into the night. Uh, I think it was Ken Rosenthal maybe that had it out there first that the Twins were looking at uh, acquiring Padres pitcher Chris Paddock. Um, and I didn't know much about Chris Paddock going into the night, but I sure you know caught up to caught up to that quick. I mean, there's some some things to like about him. Um, first, first of all, being his age, he's only 26 right now. Um, a lot of team control, which uh, which is something the Twins definitely like. Arbitration eligible in 2023, but not a free agent until 2025. So if the Twins got him, um, you know he would be 22 this year, next year, 2024, three years of team control before he hit free agency. That's the kind of pitcher they like. Now he burst onto the scene in 2019 as a rookie. Had a very good year, nine and seven. 3.33 ERA in 26 starts. Good peripheral numbers. Had 153 strikeouts in 140 innings. Tailed off in the uh, shortened year of 2020, but still okay. You know, made 12 starts that year. Um, you know, besieged by a couple of bad starts. Got hit by the home run ball a little bit that year. Last year is the mystery. Seven and seven, five point oh seven ERA, but the the FIP, the FIP, Fielder Independent Pitching, was only 3.78. That's usually a better indication of how a pitcher fared, um, maybe pitched into some bad luck a little bit last year. So that's an interesting potential target as they maybe aren't set on what exactly they have in their rotation right now. And I can't blame them. I mean, Phil Miller and I will talk about that here in just a little bit. That remains the biggest mystery by far going into the regular season. You, you look at their lineup, you say, okay, they're going to score some runs. You look at their defense, you can say, okay, they can, they can stop people from scoring, you know, if they can pitch. And that still remains the big if. Can they stop? You know, can they, can they pitch enough? And so this would be a big addition. The downside of it is that 
It sounds like the player most talked about going to the Padres in return is Taylor Rogers, who is their best relief pitcher, their most trusted relief pitcher, at least, you know, coming off of a season where he had some injury problems, but sounds like he is fully healthy now. So that, you know, you're you're robbing one part of your pitching staff to bolster another. Now, I guess the, the argument would be Taylor Rogers, um, only under team control for this season, can become a free agent next year. Are you going to lose him by then? Um, now, if you can make this t- making if you can make this trade, it sets you up for a better, you know, long term future. But that'd be a tough thing to give up. And what what else might come back? I don't know. What else? What other pieces could be in that puzzle? I don't know. Um, th- these are all questions that need to be sorted out as we kind of think through. Um, whether this trade makes sense or not. I mean, it, like I said, Twins seem like they aren't satisfied with where they landed with their starting rotation, and I can't blame them. Um, but that said, is that too much to give up um, just to get a guy who is, you know, had a really good year in 2019, and you got to squint a little bit after that to, to make sense of, of how good he might be. You know, he's Got some upside. Like I said, only 26, under team control for three years. He would certainly be a candidate to be in this rotation for a few years. Maybe it makes sense from that standpoint, but boy, the bullpen would be sure uh, a lot of a lot more questions than it is now if they got rid of Taylor Rogers. So something to monitor Thursday. I mean, this is, we're one day from, from uh, opening day. This is just bonkers that they're still perhaps tinkering with their roster. Um, just adds to the chaos of this offseason. Like I said, um, they, they've made so many trades, so many moves in the last month since the lockout ended. Maybe there is time for one more. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Now, I want to bring in Twins beat writer Phil Miller here in just a minute, but he and I ended up talking up quite a bit at the jump about the confidence of this team and what it's meant to them to add someone like Carlos Correa and some of the other veterans. Byron Buxton had a good quote about that. I want to play that audio before I get to Phil Miller, so let's listen to that now. We want to win. You know, Obviously, when I signed, that was a big focus of... Uh, what we wanted to do here was bring a championship team here, and you know they brought in the pieces to to do that. So the chemistry is there in the clubhouse. Um, it's a lot of fun, and that fun translates to the field. And when you do that, that leads to a lot more wins. So for us, it's just going out there playing Twins baseball and um, having a lot of fun doing it. Everybody in there is focused on one thing, and that's winning. You know, once you you have a team that's surrounded with you know, a lot of winners, a, guy, a lot of guys that's been to a lot of playoff games, deep playoff games. It's uh, For me, it's a lot of knowledge in there for me to learn and, and to build off of. How that plays out on the field remains to be seen, but Phil Miller and I will try to break that down and, and make sense of it right here now. Really glad to have Phil Miller, Twins beat writer, back on Daily Delivery season starting Friday. Um, oh, first a week later and then a day later than they anticipated when everything was announced months ago, but... Well, lockout pushing things back a week and weather pushing things back another day. But Phil, we are here. And even with all this extra time, I don't still know what to make of this team. And I'm hoping you can help me make some more sense out of a a roster that while it does have a lot of interesting pieces, I still don't know how they all fit together. Um, I've seen 
odds makers suddenly take the twins from like 74, 75 wins to 81 wins in the last three or four weeks with some of the moves they've made, which is interesting to me. What is your impression just generally as you look at them right now of the 2022 Minnesota twins? It's hard uh, from a uh, neutral standpoint. It's hard to make the case that they are, uh, 20 games better, which is what they uh, they were 20 games behind the White Sox last year. They finished in the last place. Have they made up 20 games? Mm, hard to uh, hard to see how they uh, uh, they don't have Mitch Garver. They don't have Josh Donaldson. Um, but I can tell you, the Twins themselves. Uh, I wrote about this in today's paper. The Twins themselves are more than the usual spring optimistic this year, and. I think it is 100% the presence of Carlos Correa. Um, he is a dynamic, charismatic personality. Uh, several players have said to the effect of he just exudes winning. He's, he's so confident. Um, you know, he wants to, he knows where he wants to go and he's going to, uh, you know, and it, it feels like he can take us with, with him. Uh, uh, Jorge Polanco said, in the years past, we go out and we think we can win. Uh, Carlos Correa knows he can win, and uh, and the difference is really uh, energizing. So, I am. I think it's a fascinating year, particularly because Carlos Correa is almost certainly here only for the next six months um, before he goes and finds a three hundred and fifty million dollar contract elsewhere. But. To me, having been around the team for 10 years, the, the change that he has made uh, is really remarkable. They were kind of a plug along. We think we're going to be good team in the past. Now they have a superstar among them. And I, I really think it rubs off confidence wise. Now, you can't pitch with confidence. Um, you know, that doesn't get you anywhere uh, on the mound. But um, We'll see what uh, if they can follow through, but it is um, they are more confident than a uh, 89 loss team a year ago uh, than you would expect. That's interesting because I saw I saw a Byron Buxton quote. I'm not sure if it was from you know, from Wednesday or Tuesday or when it was in the week, but some to the effect of winning a winning players. And I imagine some of the Yankees that came over probably bring a little bit of that too. You know, Gary Sanchez Mm -hmm. has done his share of winning a Gio Urshela, same thing. Um, So suddenly when you add those two guys and Carlos Correa, who's won a world series, got used to success with Houston, you have added some of that, you know, playoff success. Not like they haven't had that in the past. You had a guy like Nelson Cruz who had been to the world series and was important in that regard. But that, that is an interesting factor. I, I do wonder how that how that dynamic plays out um and just yeah i'm still wondering once you get beyond that that confidence and i feel like they were pretty confident last spring and that didn't necessarily work out for them uh, all that great but once you get beyond that how the the day to day how how do you imagine this team what what is this team's identity going to be at the end of the day is it going to be the lineup is it going to be you know is it going to carve out a defensive identity is it going to be some surprise with the pitching like how do you think this team looks on the field. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the lineup is absolutely going to be, uh, it. If everyone uh, stays healthy, uh, they feel like, um, not only do they, uh, have a pretty stacked lineup, especially with, uh, uh, Polanco Correa and Buxton at the top in any order. 
Um, but they have depth behind them that they have guys that uh, if Kepler has another year like he had last year, a tough one, they can uh, they can start uh, platooning him. They can uh, they, they they have other alternatives. If Miguel Sano goes through another horrific April like he did last year, they have uh, uh, Alex Kirilov to step in, and they uh, can uh, you know add in another. Uh, they have a lot of outfield depth at AAA. So I think the lineup and the defense, defense up the middle is going to be very good. That's a lot of talk when uh, we all know that the real question mark is pitching. Um, first time I've ever seen and first time anyone can remember a team that has changed out all five of their uh, members of their starting rotation from a year ago, five completely new guys. It's somewhat a uh, very twins-like we can fix, we can resurrect uh, some of the guys that uh, whose careers are kind of waning, they had so, so luck with Jay Happ and terrible luck with Matt Shoemaker a year ago. This year, uh, it's Chris Archer and it's uh, Dylan Bundy. And if you just look at their most recent season, you would think, how are these guys even in the rotation? But... Um, they are, and they're going to have big parts and they have looked, uh, good in the spring. And it really comes down to how good those guys are along with Sonny Gray, who, uh, have a lot more confidence in him than the other two. And then a couple of rookies who good seasons last year, well, in Joe Ryan's case, good September, but, uh, question mark. So, um, I would say, uh, the identity is going to be a great line up a good defense and you tell me what the pitching is going to be. Yeah. And I, I, that's a question I wanted to ask you. I mean, do you, we, we heard a lot of, you know, they didn't get much done before the lockout and it was assumed that they were going to be kind of in scramble mode to try to fill, fill out that rotation. Do you get the sense that they thought they were going to be able to add one more kind of less questionable uh, piece, you know, they they wind up signing Chris Archer pretty late, and that's you know a guy who's had success in the past when he's healthy, but he's not young anymore, and he hasn't been terribly healthy lately, and hasn't been terribly effective in some of these more recent years. Do you think that Derek Falvey and Thad Levine thought they would be able to add more pitching? I do. I think that they spent most of March after the flurry of trades. I think they spent the rest of the time trying and trying and trying to work another one with Oakland. I don't think there's uh, much mystery about. Um, their, uh, their attempts to get uh, Montas from uh, Oakland uh, did not work out. That would have, that would have significantly changed things. I, I will say about Archer, when I heard that they signed him after two terrible injury seasons, uh, and he didn't sign until just 10 days ago, I assumed he comes in, he throws 88 miles an hour, and you hope that he's got a breaking ball that maybe will fool hitters. I could not believe he came in throwing first first time out. He threw he hit ninety five on the gun. He's a two time all star who's throwing ninety five. How did it take so long for him to find a job? Uh, I, I don't know. He has looked uh, good on the mound, but uh, you know uh, the eye test doesn't you know doesn't matter once uh, once we get uh, started. We'll see what the results are. They certainly could have used one more pitcher. The one big theme of the Twins, though, is that they want to stay out of the way of all their pitching prospects. Uh, Cantorino, Belazovic, uh, we up, um, uh, Winder is up on the team now, although he'll be in the bullpen, could be in the rotation at some point. They've got a lot of pitching prospects. 
that they think are right on the cusp within another year or so. Um, so they didn't want to lock themselves into, uh, you know, somebody expensive that uh, um, when they have, uh, you know, some cheaper guys, that they have a lot of faith in coming up. Yeah, it's interesting. And Joe Ryan getting the ball on opening day. I've talked with Patrick Royce about that. I mean, five starts in September and, you know, they're showing faith in him. Maybe that's a little bit by default. Maybe it's a function of in 2022, the opening day starter for a team or even a starter for a team doesn't maybe matter as much as it did 10, 15, certainly 20, 25 years ago. But how uh, intrigued were you by that announcement that that, that was going to be Joe Ryan's ball uh, to start Friday's game? Well, we couldn't figure it out all spring because uh, um, because Sonny Gray was not working in Grapefruit League games. He was really mostly just facing uh, live BP hitters. Uh, he finally threw a... Uh, a uh, minor league game and then he threw one grapefruit league game uh so it seemed like he was especially affected by the lockout he was especially far behind he's the obvious uh opening day starter when you watch him pitch i watched him face 22 hitters this spring and he retired 21 of them um he looks very good but he doesn't look very stretched out you hate to send an opening day starter out for three innings um i think uh i think they gave up pretty early on on the idea that he would be the opening day starter. And after that, uh, you know, you give it to a veteran who uh, might or might not be good, who it wasn't here. Uh, I think it probably came down to Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan and, uh, you know, give the guy a chance. Uh, he's pitched in the Olympics. Um, it uh, it, it might have just been the calendar too, but it is an intriguing thing that really has uh, got us uh, talking about it. And it sure means a lot to Joe Ryan. That was the one thing uh, he was really uh, he was really touched by. We've spent plenty of time wondering about the starting rotation. I think bullpen is you know something that kind of sorts itself out sometimes throughout the course of the first two months. Sometimes you don't know what you have in a bullpen. Sometimes you know guys can get hot or cold. You bring someone up from AAA who you know catches fire for a month and helps you and things like that. So that's maybe less important to have established on, you know, April 8th, but, you know, that said, um, I, I'm, I've still got some questions there and I imagine they do too. How do you think those roles sort themselves out beyond, you know, um, Taylor Rogers being, you know, a guy in the back end and, you know, along with Tyler Duffy that they, you know, that they've seen at least can do it. Um, counting on a lot from you know, guys like Joan Duran and, and things like that, I would imagine at this point. Yeah. Joan Duran is uh, an interesting uh, kind of, kind of he's one of those topics that people don't want to say too much because they don't want to jinx it i think but uh the guy uh, the, the guy looks like brewster gratterall from a couple of years ago he, he i don't think anyone wants to say he could be a star in the back of the pen but i think people here are thinking it um yes uh, taylor rogers uh seems completely recovered he threw uh terrific in uh, fort myers um, I think they feel a lot better about that. They brought in uh, uh, Joe Smith to uh, help Tyler Duffy with some of the, uh, the late inning stuff, uh, middle innings. Um, they're looking for a bounce back season from, from Tyler Duffy. And uh, they're uh, looking for maybe a step forward for Jorge Alcala. So uh, no matter what they do, the bullpen won't be as bad as it was last April when, uh, when the bullpen cost them uh, four games right out of the gate and uh, kind of doomed them uh, the rest of the season. I, I, I think they like 
the it, it's it's kind of the leading wave of this um, crop of pitchers that are coming up. The first ones arrive in the bullpen, and I think they feel uh, pretty good. I, I at the end of the season, we'll go. Uh, you know, Yon Durand is going to be a star, or uh, hey, you remember Yon Durand uh, when he was here at the beginning? Could go either way. Yeah, it, it sure can. That's kind of feels like the theme of the season. Like I, I'm having a harder time predicting this year's team than I think I have any other twins teams in the past. And we've mm-hmm. been wrong about some of these twins teams in the past. It just feels like at the beginning of the year, you have a better sense of what you think you think. Anyway, I thought we thought last year's team would be pretty good and they weren't. I think 2019, we had maybe some cautious optimism and then they won 101 games. Nobody expected that. But this year it's like, you look at it and it's like, I, this could go a lot of different directions based on a, a lot of different volatile things. The health of Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton, um, being chief among them, how the starting rotation holds up, uh, things of that nature. It's it's very difficult for me to get a handle on what I should expect. Um, that said, like I said at the beginning, the betting markets have put them right around 81 wins for an over-under number. We've seen even higher from some of the advanced metrics. I'm seeing like, you know, you know baseball prospectus has them up at like 85, 86 wins. I think 538.com had him around a 50% chance of making the postseason, which again is six teams in the American League, six in the National now. I went back and looked, Phil, <clears throat> 28 years since the AL Central was formed. Um, 94 season was the first year of the five, you know, five team division, um, AL Central. Twins have finished, it's very symmetrical. They finished uh, in first place in their division eight times, second place five times, third place just twice second or fourth place five times and last place eight times. So it's like this little <laughs> step ladder up and step ladder down. Um, if you do were, what's that? Now do the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do the Vikings. And that's they're, they've been more in the middle than, than the twins have. But the point of that being, they've only finished right in the middle twice out of those 28 years. They tend to either be you know pretty mm-hmm. good or, you know, the, the bottom falls out and they're a last place team. Now the last three years, We'll bear that out with two first place finishes and a last place finish. As you think about this team, final question for you. Um, what, what's the most likely outcome this year, even if we don't really think we know what to expect? Well, what's the most likely outcome for the record? I do think that they are, uh, uh, they will have the advantage of playing the Guardians and of playing the uh, Royals uh, 19 times a piece, and that, uh, that helps. Uh, I, I guess I think they will finish above 500. You know, I'll tell you, like I said at the beginning, I've been around the team so long in Fort Myers. Uh, like I wrote a story about the great mystery of Gary Sanchez. He's been really good and he's been really bad. And the twins have no idea which one uh, they're going to get. Um, they, you know, Chris Archer comes into camp uh, the last week and, you know, who knows what, uh, what kind of season he's going to have. I want to talk to Tyler Duffy about how this season is going to go. He said, well, look at the roster. We've got Gary Sanchez. We've got uh, Chris Archer. Those guys are all-stars. They have all-star talent. Uh, look how much better we are. And uh, that, that, that's certainly the sense in the clubhouse. Uh, um, I, I think it's a little rockier. I think those guys are all older. I would, I would say that they are going to have a winning season, but I would put them at 84 wins probably and probably just on the periphery of the playoff race. Um, the question will be if, if they're kind of a 500 team, do they keep Carlos Correa at the trading deadline, knowing that he's likely to uh, opt out of his contract at the end of the year? Um, 
And the other thing I would think about this team is it's going to be completely different next year. Yeah, and it's not going to be boring yeah. this year. I feel like this is going to be uh, good or bad or somewhere in the middle. There's going to be a lot of entertaining, interesting twists and games along the way. It's just a it's it's a puzzle. It's a, it's a weird one to figure out, but in some ways that's kind of exciting because that means it's different from last year to a certain degree. Totally agree. Uh, totally agree. This is the most it, it, and. Again, it kind of comes down to they've got one of the best players in the league, two of them if, uh, with Buxton, in the middle of the lineup. Never seen that before with the Twins. Uh, it, it's it's short time. This is going to be a memorable year, good or bad. Well, I'm looking forward to it uh, starting on Friday, finally. I'm assuming the weather is good enough. Should be better Saturday and Sunday for sure. Phil Miller, good stuff. Read all of Phil's coverage, StarTribune, StarTribune.com. All of our colleagues as well will be writing tons of stuff from the opener and beyond. Um, Phil, enjoyed this. Be back at it soon with you, okay? All right, Mike. Good to be with you. Good stuff from Phil. As always, be sure to read all of the Star Tribune's coverage of the Twins in the lead-up to this season. First pitch, Friday, scheduled for 3 o'clock or so, maybe 3.10, maybe a little bit later. Sometimes these openers take up and there's a little bit of pomp and circumstance. Day doesn't look great tomorrow, but it sure looks a lot better than it is right now. So that postponement looks like it's uh, it was the right move for sure. Um, and yeah, it should be, uh, you know, it should be, it should be fun. It should be, you know, this season just should be an, an interesting year, should be a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of, uh, sometimes when you just don't know what's going to happen, um, those are the best kinds of seasons. So we will see, we will all find out together how the 2022 Twins end up faring. Let's talk a little bit about Vikings and draft. I thought it was interesting. Derek Stingley, a guy who's been mocked to them by Todd McShay in his latest uh, mock draft. He had his pro day and was pretty impressive. He's come back from injury, uh, coming back from, you know, uh, maybe some disappointments, some up and down in 2020. 2021 was fantastic. A cornerback from LSU um, was fantastic as a freshman in 2019. Posted times of 4.37 and 4.44 in his 40-yard dash. Vertical leap of 38.5 inches, according to the school. Um, you know, so is this someone the Vikings could feel comfortable about taking in the first round he would be again a, a high risk high reward based on some of the inconsistency some of the injuries he have he has that Liz Frank injury that he suffered in training camp last year with LSU um, he, you know he's a guy like I said how much do you like him will he be available at number 12 when the Vikings pick those are good questions but this is a guy who could be a game changer if he is healthy if he is productive could be a game changer so that's interesting to me that the Vikings you know could this this could be a good fit for them because they certainly need a shutdown corner they certainly need to add add depth at that position if they can get a high end talent like that it might be worth the risk but we will see about that if they do tra- take him whoever they do take at number 12 will be entrusted with helping with one key area protecting leads. It's an interesting stat. I think it was Warren Sharp tweeted the other day. Um, Vikings last season led in 15 games, 15 times they had the lead out of 17 games a season ago. And of course, they only won eight of them. Now, you know, it's a little bit, I don't want to say it's a misleading stat, but it's not a, it's not a tell all stat. I mean, Carolina, for the love of for the love of all that is pure, also led in 15 games last year. They only won five of them. They had a lot of games where they took a three nothing lead and then got blown out. But by and large, the better teams in the league 
um, had held a lot of leads. The the Kansas City had a lead in 16 games, bet one of the best teams in the league. Um, Green Bay, NFC North winner, they led in 15 games. The Rams, the 49ers, the teams that played in the NFC title game, they had leads in 15 games last year. The Vikings, though, gave up a lot of leads. Now, why does that matter? Why do we care about a season that's already happened under a regime that's already gone? Well, to me, it matters because of this. Even if Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman aren't here anymore, Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa have come in and they have set a new culture, a new path, but with a lot of the same players. They seem to believe that there are a lot of good players on this team that with some tweaks, the season could go much better in 2022 than it did in 2021. Now, they might be right, they might be wrong. I don't know what the ceiling is even based on that, but knowing that they led in 15 games a season ago does give some more credibility to the idea of running it back to a certain degree with some of the same players. Maybe you can have a better season. Maybe you can win 10 or 11 games instead of eight simply by changing a few things that you do because you already had enough talent. You already had enough going for you that you were in a lot of games, that you were leading a lot of games, and you just couldn't finish it off. So I thought that was an interesting number that I wanted to pass along to you. Whether or not that ends up being fool's gold, I don't know. 2022 season is a ways away. We've got to see what they do in the rest of free agency and the draft, but it did add a little bit more fuel to their process. Let's finish with the cooler. Wanted to get to some of Lindsey Whalen's comments about the transfer portal in a recent story that I saw. I believe this was a Kent Youngblood byline story. Yes, of course it was. He's a our college women's basketball writer, our women's basketball writer overall. Um, extraordinaire. He, you know, she spoke to the media talking about the transfer portal. There's thousand, one thousand women's basketball players in the transfer portal right now. It's tons of players. The Gophers have lost, I think, seven different players. Jasmine Powell left midseason. They got Sarah Scalia, Caddy Sissoko, Carolyn Strand, Clark Sconiers, Aaron Hedman, and Alexia Smith. All of them in the portal. Now, it's, you know, this can cut both ways. I'm sure Lindsey Whalen is looking for players to you know to add through the portal, but her, her comment here was interesting. She says, obviously, when we go into recruiting, start talking with different players and their families, we want to build long relationships. We don't go to we don't go into any relationship hoping for a year or two. We want to be a part of their lives. At the same time, we're all navigating this new world. You know, and she said she doesn't feel like there's anything fundamentally wrong with the problem with the program, even though they're going to do some self-assessment. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. It's just it is a it is a new world. It seems to be affecting Gophers, uh, men's and women's. You know, last year I talked about this a lot on Wednesday show based on a listener question. It seems to be disproportionately impacting Gophers programs right now. That said, maybe they can add some players here, and maybe this won't be an issue going forward. The bigger takeaway from this is that. A lot is changing in college sports right now. Athletes are more empowered than ever to change schools if they don't like their situation. And, you know, right now, any coach who isn't mindful of that, and it sounds like Lindsey Whelan is mindful of that, any coach who isn't mindful of that is going to get left behind. So how they adapt to this is going to be a bigger question than the rule itself. That will do it for today. Hope you guys enjoy all of the tremendous sports to watch on TV Thursday, Friday, the weekend. It should be a ton of fun. Friday show, Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune will join me to talk wild hockey. Lots of interesting games for them coming up down the closing stretch. Probably going to need to talk Timberwolves here soon, too, whether they get the play-in, the playoffs. Those will be early next week. I'm sure Chris Hine will be on a show with me early next week as well. So lots to look forward to. Thanks for listening today. Stay dry, and we'll see you again on Friday.